welcome to the Divergent Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Sobrio-Ritter, and thanks for joining me on this podcast where we take the science of human behavior and apply it to help you live a more values-based life. Uh, Coming to you today, we have a special guest. Her name is Angela Tam. She is also a board-certified behavior analyst and does a lot of work with acceptance and commitment therapy, which is a therapeutic model focused on identifying values and then moving towards them. She is a mom of three and has a lot of great insight around how she has shaped her fitness journey so that it's not only sustainable, but moves her in the direction of her goals. And I'm thrilled to have her here today. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Angela Tam. Angela, thank you so much for being my guest today. It's so exciting to be able to speak with you. Uh, It's really awesome to connect with other behavior analysts and especially people doing such high quality work. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here with you. Of course. Yes, my pleasure. So I just would love to learn a little bit about um, kind of your messaging and your brand and what are the biggest things that you feel like um, are pitfalls that are affecting people in regards to nutrition. You know, I see you posting a lot about food rules. I know you have three kids, right? You're juggling a lot of things. Uh, What's kind of your main messaging around that? Um, I think my main message around nutrition is that it doesn't need to be super complicated. It doesn't Mm -hmm. need to be rigid. Um, We can all approach nutrition from a very realistic and sustainable way, Um, especially for the clients I typically work with. They're usually busy moms or busy professionals. Mm -hmm. Um, Having a lot of rules and, you know, yeah, I guess generally rules that you have to follow or you have to only eat a certain way, it Mm -hmm. makes it really unsustainable and people end up failing and they feel less empowered um, with their own abilities to take care of their own health. So Mm -hmm. I think my main focus is to make nutrition as simple and as realistic and sustainable for the clients that I'm working with. Right. Why do you think people do that? Why do you think people want to have all of these rules around nutrition? I think it's really because that's how our brains work. Like our Mm -hmm. brains like black and white, right? Mm -hmm. It's so much easier when you can put things in categories versus in like like a spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's so much easier when, you know, this is unhealthy and this is healthy. And I just eat things from the healthy category or Mm -hmm. I only do things because it fits this box or mm-hmm. label that I subscribe to. It's just so much right. easier, mm-hmm. at least in the beginning, because you don't do as much guesswork. Yeah. Right. So if yes. you're using like a spectrum, it's like, oh yeah, this can be healthy, but it really depends on the context. It, it's more complicated to approach things that way, especially mm-hmm. in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, especially because of today's you know, technology and social media messaging, it's really hard to filter them, right? So if we have more rigid rules, it seems a lot easier to get started. Like, this is what I do. I follow rule one, two, three, four, five. Right. And I can get started. (laughs) Yes. It takes some of that critical thinking, right, out of it. So you don't have decision fatigue, you know, where you have to really think about 
you know, you have to look at that spectrum. It's like, okay, you know, coach said yes, coach said no. Coach said this is healthy, coach said this isn't healthy, right? Or, or my Google search or whatever it is, right? So it's like you can quickly maybe act on some behavior that you perceive to be healthful, right? And the message that you're sending is, hey, slow down, you know, see things in less black and white. Is this hard? Is it hard for your clients to make this shift? Do you have to do a lot of mindset work around this? I think it depends on the clients. And mm -hmm. for those who um, decide to work with me, I think they are more ready to be right. not as black and white. Um, mm -hmm. I guess like my messaging do attract them and that's how they want to approach their nutrition. So it's a little bit right. easier. Um, but I, I get like it's not for everybody and not everybody's ready for that messy middle or like the gray area. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. This is usually when I start working with clients, they've worked with a number of people uh, or done a number of programs where it was really all black and white, right? They go on some diet rehab program. They don't eat like barely any carbs, treats, anything for a month. They lose 10 pounds. The first, you know, few days after the challenge is over, they gain it all back, right? And now you've accomplished nothing essentially, except for now there's some additional data point of failure or some additional data point of like self-loathing because you didn't, you know, you felt like you couldn't sustain. What's wrong with me that I can't sustain those, um, you know, I couldn't sustain that diet. And I saw a really interesting quote yesterday. Um, it was something to the extent of when I was little, I went underwater and when I came back up, I was gasping for air. And when I was super restricting myself on my diet <clears throat> and then I binged, you know, th those were both times that my body was caring for me. Those were both times that my body was trying to protect me and keep me alive, right? Your body doesn't necessarily do well with restriction or it doesn't at all, right? And psychologically, it's not great either. And so you come out of that feeling like you failed at something because you gained all the weight back when actually all your body was doing was trying to keep you alive and protect you and, you know, keep you really healthy. Um, I'm, do you find that your clients have done, they've kind of done that all or nothing and then they come to you and they're like, all right, I know that didn't work. I, I don't know what works, but I know what's not working and it's the, the all or nothing that I've been doing until now. Um, I think it really depends on the clients. Um, some of them do feel that way. Um, but most of them, when they come to me, they're still working through that. So they're still mm -hmm. feeling really uncomfortable with not having all or nothing. And they would like mm -hmm. some support in that. Right. Yes. Yeah. So absolutely. I mean, this is a shift that takes you probably a decade. I mean, let's just be honest, right? This is not something that is easy. And I don't know where this stems from. I know for me, there's a little bit of like a childhood stuff, right? Where it was like, okay, be good, good, good. And then if I was a little bit bad, I was like, well, I'm going to be really bad now, right? Like I'm going to get my sins worth, maximize the sin, <laughs> you know, like whatever. I'm going to be in the bishop's office on Sunday anyways, you know, talking about what I did this weekend might as well have fun, you know? So there's this like feeling of if I'm going to, if I'm going to not be perfect, I'm going to be really imperfect. And then I'll kind of get back on the bandwagon and be perfect tomorrow. 
Yeah, and I think that's just, it's really the black and white thinking, right? It's like, yeah. it's either or, but there yes. is a middle ground, right? Yes. And I think the more we can embrace that, there's somewhere in the middle, um, mm -hmm. even if I mess up a little bit, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't mean I failed completely. Right. Um, and it does take a lot of work around it. But the good thing is the more we can reframe our thinking, the mm -hmm. easier those messy middle thoughts would come, mm -hmm. right? It's neuroplasticity. Right. I can't say that yeah. word, plasticity. Am I yeah. saying it right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yes. we're forming new neural pathways. Like the more we practice, right. the easier it will become. Exactly. Did this, what was your experience of, of this as a child? You know, what was your, do you remember what the messaging was? And like, when did you begin to make a shift? Um, so I grew up in Taiwan. Uh, that's in mm -hmm. Asia. I, mm -hmm. like growing up, I know we didn't have a lot of restrictions. Like my parents kind of allow us to eat whatever we want. And we have like a, a lot of food at home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I didn't understand anything about nutrition. I didn't understand like how to have balanced meals. I don't didn't know how to listen to my hunger and fullness cues. I was taught right. to clean my plate. Um, mm -hmm. And I remember my mom dieting and criticizing mm -hmm. parts of her bodies. Yeah. And I think because of all that, when I moved to Canada, I was suddenly on my own. I was introduced mm -hmm. to lots of hyper palatable, palatable food yes. in large portions. Mm -hmm. And because of the lack of skill when it comes to, you know, listening to my body and eating balanced meals, like I put on a lot of weight very fast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't own a scale back then, so, so I don't know how much weight I actually put on, but I would assume it's probably like, like the freshman 15. I just did it in okay. high school. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think I eventually lost some weight, but not all of them. Right. And like, it took me a long time to kind of get out of that. Mm -hmm. Um, like even after I graduated from university, I was working like a full-time job as like an RBT. It wasn't called mm -hmm. RBT back then, but it was like the yes. equivalent of that. Yes. Um, I had like a side gig doing the same thing on my own and I was studying for my master's. So mm -hmm. I was super busy and I mm -hmm. was very, very goal driven on, you know, finishing my master's, getting my BCBA, doing all these things mm -hmm. and taking care of my own health. is just kind of on the back burner. I always, totally. oh, I will do this, you know, when I finish this. Yes. Um, and this is going to continue to continue on for quite some time. Mm -hmm. um, things changed a little bit after I became a mom. I started taking care of my health a little bit more. But yeah. I would say like the major shift was when my mom was diagnosed with cancer. Um, and this mm -hmm. is shortly after my youngest was born. Mm -hmm. That's probably the biggest shift for right. me. And that's when I really started taking more actions in terms of taking care yeah. of my own health. Do you know, what was it about that that sort of like occurred to you when you, you know, your mom was diagnosed? Uh, what was it that, what, what do you think caused that shift? I think it just made me realize how important health is. Um, mm -hmm. Like it should always be a priority. And mm -hmm. 
I knew that I wasn't taking care of my health as much because I had a black and white thinking. Yeah. Um, it like was I like, have I have to, to do, do all of this. Now. Yes. And right? then I'll do that. And yeah. Then, yeah. And it's like, I need to do all of it. I need to do the nutrition and the movement and, right. you know, not eat any junk food. And that's mm-hmm. taking care of my health. But I kind of mm-hmm. not pay attention to the, the gray area. There are a, little, a yeah. lot of little things I can do. And all those have compound benefits yes. if yes. I just did them but I didn't yes yes (laughs) this is so funny I saw a TikTok on this yesterday where um this person was like you know all the little things that your therapist tells you to do right get a glass of water take a five minute walk outside right deep take five deep breaths you think to yourself listen I got 37 years of mental illness under my belt. There's no way a five minute walk and a glass of water is going to change that, you know? So I think that there's this perception that, that like these little things, they're just too little to be impactful. And that's the thing that keeps you from engaging in them at all. And like the end of the TikTok is that she was like, damn it, Susan was right. Those things, they did work. Like I did, I did have a glass of water and took a walk and I did feel better, right? Like you're sort of like, oh shit, it's the easy things that actually are impactful, which it's like, it's the not sexy things. It's the things that aren't going to get you shredded in two weeks or something. It's the, hey, get your steps in, drink some water, like these really basic little things. And do you think that was why you part of why you perceived that you couldn't start working on your nutrition? Because you, like you knew you could do the little things, but you thought that's not going to be impactful. Like, I want to wait until I have time to do it, quote unquote, right whatever that means. I think I was so black and white that I Mm -hmm. didn't even think about the small things. Okay. So I think that's how black and white I was. I was like, well, no, I got to go all in. I can't just do like a little, or nothing. Yes. (laughs) I couldn't just do a little bit of it. Yeah. And I think we are all very stuck in this way because we're so fused to like the stories that we're telling ourselves and like mm-hmm. the labels we put ourselves like, oh I'm a BCBA and this means I am data driven like oh I'm a mom so I always mm-hmm. put my kids first instead of taking care of myself right we're so fused to those thoughts even though they're mm-hmm. really not helpful and they're not yeah. serving us right um, but again it's a habit right I think this yeah. way and therefore I'm going to act that way that we didn't think mm-hmm. about challenging them Right. Um, challenging whether they are actually serving us or not. Yes. I love that reframing of thoughts where instead of seeing thoughts as good or bad, you a start to learn that they're just thoughts. They're not you. They're, they're just, they're sort of, they're just coming right across like the movie screen of your life. They just keep coming. You can remove yourself from them a little bit, but also seeing them more in terms of, is this helpful or not? Is this a helpful thought? Okay, I guess if beating myself up is helpful and there are no negative side effects, which isn't the case, right? The negative side effect is that you feel like crap, but um, (laughs) you know, like if it's helpful, I guess if it feels motivating and there's no negative side effects, okay, sure. But that's the problem is that uh, I think there's this, you know, there's a perception that um, A, beating yourself up is the only way to be successful. Uh, and the only thing to motivate you, like if you're nice to yourself, you're not going to be able to get anything done. Right. Um, and, and B that you really have to see things in, like you said, super black and white terms, um, that there's no flexibility and that by allowing yourself some flexibility, you're like giving yourself an out 
or you're, you know what I'm saying? Like there's no pain, no gain, hustle, hashtag no days off, like all of this stuff, all this sort of body of uh, this narrative, right? This like common fitness narrative. It's all you see. So of course you're going to look at fitness and you're going to think, I can't do it now because that's what that looks like. It's hashtag no days off. It's, you know, it's, it's all consuming. So you're basically trying to teach clients, actually, it's not that way. It doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, because it's not, it's not sustainable. We're going to run right. ourselves into the ground. And mm-hmm. like, I think a lot of us start out with really great intentions that we we'll want to take care of our health. We want to get stronger, mm-hmm. want to get more fit for our kids. But when those recommendations become really rigid rule following, mm-hmm. we're trapping ourselves in. Right. And if all those rules or recommendations become rules and they're making us more, um, I guess, stressed and anxious for not following them, mm-hmm. it's also not healthy, right? Health is more right. than just what you do. Um, if you spend your day beating yourself up because you didn't follow whatever was prescribed or you mm-hmm. took a rest day off, that's not healthy either. Right. Absolutely. And we talked about this a little bit during the podcast episode with Sarah, you know, who's also a BCBA and intuitive eating coach and, and, and sort of diversifying the way you see health so that you see it from multiple perspectives, like physical health, but your psychological health is shit because you're so attached to like the way your body is presented to the world or you can't go out with, you know, for a meal with your family. Uh, Is that health, right? I mean, that's sort of the question is like, what, what does health mean? What is, what is well-being? You know, how do, how do we define that? And making sure that we don't just define it as physical, you know, as, as aesthetics, Mm -hmm. right? It's a whole, it's a whole thing. Yeah. So when I work with my clients, um, it's actually one of the questions on the intake forms. I ask Mm -hmm. them what their version of health look like to them like what does Mm -hmm. it what does it look like how do they feel how is their life going to be different Mm -hmm. compared to their life now right um instead of you know focusing on things such as losing 10 pounds or fit into x size dress or Mm -hmm. be able to run for however long right we also look at other um i guess qualitative measures as well Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. instead of those more quantitative and objective measures. Mm-hmm. I love that because I think a lot of the time people just use a, a quantitative measure to just quickly have a goal, but I don't think that's the heart, right, of what they really want. Usually what they really want is different. They want confidence. They want to just feel better when they walk up a flight of stairs. It. I, I think that society tells you, hey, if you lose weight, here are all of the reinforcers that are accessible to you. You'll be confident. You'll be able to walk up the stairs. You'll be able to do all these things. And my experience of losing weight is that, yeah, some of those things I was better at, but I mean, confidence actually probably not. Um, That didn't necessarily get better. Um, Psychological health did not get better. It got worse, right? So it's always other things that people are trying to access, not necessarily that surface level thing. That kind of takes us into acceptance and commitment therapy, um, which you are super well versed in. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah, of course. I love to talk about um, acceptance and commitment therapy or ACT. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really is an evidence-based way of, I guess, enhancing our well-being. Mm-hmm. And it takes on a different perspective to, um, I guess, psychological well-being compared to tr- other forms of therapy. So mm-hmm. instead of getting rid of bad thoughts and try to encourage good, like good ones, act really focus, focuses on um, helping us making rooms for uncomfortable and difficult thoughts and feelings mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they're really a part of life. Yeah. And the thing is, what brings you comfort, uh, what, what brings you discomfort and pain are usually things that's important to you, right? Because yeah. you care about them and that's why you, re- you have some kind of reaction to them. If you don't yeah. care about them, you, you won't have any thoughts and feelings um, yeah. with those things. So yeah. with ACT, um, it's, you know, making room so those, for those uncomfortable thoughts and feelings, Mm-hmm. Um, just accept them accept, uh, instead of pushing them away and mm-hmm. taking small actions towards what's really important to you, even when right. you're feeling uncomfortable, even though your brain is telling you all the things like, oh, you can't do this because yes. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Really suffering and and like care and suffering are two sides of the, or two different sides of the same coin, right? Like where you hurt is where you care. Mm-hmm. And, um, and a lot of the time I know for me in the past, I've had a thought, let, let's say I'm, you know, I feel some discomfort around something or I have some thought around something. And I think our initial response is like, well, if it was the right thing, it wouldn't be this hard. Or if it was the right thing, mm-hmm. it wouldn't feel, it wouldn't bring up these feelings in my body. You know, and actually uh, what I've learned is that usually if it's the right thing, it brings up the worst feelings in my body, right? Because if it's the wrong thing, I'm like, oh, it's wrong. I don't, like you said, I don't have a strong reaction. And I was telling my friends yesterday, so I started dating somebody new and it's, it's super healthy. And I've pretty much been like on the verge of a panic attack for a solid week, right? And it's because you're like, oh shit, like this is a thing that I really care about. You know, this is something that feels really scary to me because it feels healthy in a way that I haven't experienced before, right? And the initial, like, I just have alarms going off. Like, this is weird. This is weird, right? Because if you've not been in, like, a healthy situation, it feels very alarming when it is healthy. So the alarms in our brain can be going off telling us, like, this is wrong, abort, abort. You know, like, you're lifting heavy weight. You've got 150 pounds on your back, right, when you're doing a squat, your brain wants to tell you like, this is definitely going to kill you. (laughs) Like you should get out of this situation as quickly as possible. And it's learning how to tolerate that voice in your head being like, this is going to kill you. And just, yeah, you can't stop it. You can't Mm -hmm. shut it up. It's in the car with you. You're driving somewhere together, right? What can you do? You know, so we, you, we talk a little bit about diffusion. Can you, can you share what is diffusion and what are your most, what are your favorite diffusion techniques? So diffusion is one of the, um, let's say, pillars in mm-hmm. ACT. Mm-hmm. And the opposite is fusion. So fusion means you're like mixed together with something. You're getting hooked into mm-hmm. something. And mm-hmm. diffusion is the opposite. It means like you are untangling yourself from 
your thoughts and feelings, Mm -hmm. um, regardless of how difficult and challenging they are. Um, And part of the fusion um, is is that acceptance. Like you have to accept that, you know, it's okay to feel this way. It's Mm -hmm. okay to be scared. Like we all feel this, like there's no Mm -hmm. need to push them away. Um, And it doesn't mean like you're complacent, like, okay, I accept that I I feel defeated, so I'm not going to do it. Diffusion Mm -hmm. means I accept that this is part of the experience. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to tell, I don't have to follow what my brain is telling me to do. Because most of the time, if we're uncomfortable and scared, or if we're being challenged and we're doing new things, our brain is telling us to run away. That's just our um, defense mechanism kicking in. Mm-hmm. Um, and diffusion is really untangling ourselves from those thoughts and feelings that's telling us to run away mm-hmm. and embrace them, lean into them, and still take actions that will put us closer to what's important to us. Right. In our lives. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Um, I think I was going to say something. Oh, like even like coming on the podcast, like it's. Like, I don't like that I'm being recorded. Yes. <laughs> it's still scary to me, right? Of and course. I can, you know, get fused with the thoughts like, oh, I don't look good enough on camera. I don't have enough things to share. I'm not eloquent mm-hmm. enough, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. Like, I can get right. very hooked into those thoughts. And I can right. say, Amber, I'm not feeling well enough. I'm going to cancel. Yeah. Right. But diffusion Mm -hmm. is just not listening to what my brain is telling me to do and still take action towards what's important to me. And what's important is to, you know, connect with other people and to share this wonderful science that's ACT and ABA with, Mm -hmm. you know, whoever that's willing to listen. (laughs) Right. 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 And that's diffusion. Which is everyone. Mm -hmm. Yes. So you're still using diffusion. This is, you haven't, even as a behavior change expert, you don't, Mm -hmm. this is never something you, you're like, check, I don't have thoughts that I get hooked on. Like this still comes up for you. Yeah, all the time. Like this week, my husband is away. And like, as soon as I was telling you this off the air, but like, as soon as he left, like our entire house network went down Mm -hmm. and I had a lot of negative thoughts about this. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I had to kind yes. of diffuse those thoughts because I was so upset that like nothing is working, like yes. no one's here to help me, no one's gonna fix it, and mm-hmm. we're basically stuck in this situation for the entire week. Right. right? There's like difficult thoughts and feelings are part of being human, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. I there's always opportunities for me to use diffusion. Um, mm-hmm. I would say with practice. Um, it is easier to use diffusion on my nutrition and fitness behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a lot of big emotions in other areas of my life and I still continue to use diffusion to to help with those emotions and help me take actions towards what's important to me. Of course. Yeah, I have this quote on my wall that says, I'm willing to tolerate the emotions that arise on the way to creating the life that I want. Right. Whatever you want, whatever matters to you, it's going to bring up some shit, (laughs) you know, like if it matters to you, it's going to bring some stuff up and you now have the opportunity. All right. Am I going to choose to keep moving towards the life that I want, towards the life that I'm trying to curate for myself, even even despite 
right? Even despite what's popping up for me and, and showing up and acknowledging that it's going to be enough, you know, it's going to be good enough, um, whatever you are able to do, it's super impactful, right? Because like you said, the cumulative effect of these tiny behaviors is really meaningful. Like now, the next time something comes up, your husband's out of town, the kids are sick, the Wi-Fi goes down, like all these things you're like, oh, I'm fine. Like, like you see yourself in a light where you're like, whoa, I can handle, sh I can handle shit. Like, hey, right? <laughs> like it builds this new sense of confidence. Like there's really nothing that can scare you once you get to a point where you know how capable you are. But just like building a muscle, you have to, you have to create, like you have to expose it to a stimulus that's going to be challenging enough to create that muscular adaptation it's the same with life right if I keep doing the easy thing I never get to see myself in the new light where I'm like wow I'm really capable I'm really competent it's like you have to keep doing a harder thing which is exhausting you know <laughs> um but you want your muscle to grow you want your muscle of tolerating discomfort to keep growing yeah exactly I think people sometimes think that, oh, once you clarify your values, your life becomes easier. But the thing mm -hmm. is, when we're moving towards our values, you're still going to experience probably even more discomfort yeah. and yeah. negative feelings. Um, yeah. Because you're probably doing new things. You're doing things that you're not used to. You're doing things that you yeah. haven't done in a long time. And it, it will be difficult. And it's part of Again, being human and mm -hmm. living a value-driven life doesn't mean everything is sunshines and rainbows and unicorns. Right. It means you are you're persistent. You're continuing to move towards what's important to, to you, even though mm -hmm. your brain is really telling you to run the opposite direction. Yes. Um, and I think it's just it's something that we have to keep reminding ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. It may not be easy but the effort is worth it. Mm -hmm. I would actually probably argue that a values-based life is more painful in some ways because like you said, where you, where you hurt is where you care. So like failing at a job that's really meaningful to me and that really matters to me is gonna hurt so much more than you know, doing something I never really cared about. Going into a relationship as my full, vulnerable, authentic self it's gonna burn, right, when it doesn't work so much more than it does if I was pretending. It's like living a values-based life, it, I mean, this is a hard sell, right? We're like, hey, yeah. <laughs> do you wanna come live a values-based life? It's gonna hurt more, <laughs> you know? And people are like, no, thank you, I'd rather not. But the thing is, it's gonna, it's gonna, I mean, it's gonna light you up in a way that makes you feel alive. Like it's going to, you're going to feel the highs and the joy and the ecstasy of, of being yourself and living in the way that you want to live. And there's a flip side to that. Yeah. It really opens up like new opportunities and make you feel mm -hmm. more fulfilled. And yeah. like when I talk to clients about values, we talk about how it's the way you want to live your life. It's, it's mm -hmm. how you want to be remembered. Right. And if we keep getting stuck listening to our unhelpful thoughts and feelings, we're just mm -hmm. repeating the same things that really aren't serving us anymore. Um, there's a really good analogy from the ACT Daily Journal. They talk mm -hmm. about emotional roundabout. Okay, so when you're in a roundabout, it is easy to just keep going in circles. 
because it's sometimes mm-hmm. it's scary to exit like you don't know who has yes. the right of way like what if that yeah. guy doesn't stop um yeah. do i where go this I, way or that way me? yeah right and it's easy it's easier to just keep going in circles yeah but if we can embrace a discomfort and take an exit then we're out of that roundabout and mm-hmm. we have unlimited direction direction that we can head towards and it opens mm-hmm. up new possibilities in life yes i love that analogy what's your what's your you know if you could give people out there right to anyone listening if you could have them walk away from this podcast with the most impactful tool for you you know and, and maybe just a strategy that you use to sort of uh, employ this tool in your life what would that be um, I think it will be around values. So clarifying your mm-hmm. whys, like what's important mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's important to make dis- make distinction between values versus goals. So goals right. are things that you can achieve and you can check it off like once you've accomplished them. Mm-hmm. But with the values, it's more like a way of being, the way a way of living your life. It's like a character strength. And yeah. with the values, you will always continue to work on them. Like you can never mm-hmm. fully achieve them. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds right, like almost discouraging. Yeah, it's, it sounds a little discouraging. It's like, oh, I can never achieve it. <laughs> but right. the beauty about value is that at any given moment in time, you can always make a choice to take actions that move you closer to your values. Mm -hmm. And it could be small actions. It could be big actions. But we have a choice at any given moment in life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think with when it comes to like health and fitness, it's really easy to set concrete goals. Like I'm going to say do yoga three times a week and I'm going to take a class somewhere else. Um, And that's my goal. Um, but if we clarify our values, like the whole reason for me to do yoga is so that I am taking care of myself, um, like physically and spiritually and emotionally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if I'm really stuck on the goals and when I'm really fused on achieving those goals on a weekly basis and checking off, Mm -hmm. you know, the consistencies, I feel like we're almost missing the point. Like, mm-hmm. what if there's a big snowstorm and I can't make it out to the studio studio because I'm snowed in? Or, like, my right. partner is away and I can't leave the house because we don't have childcare, mm-hmm. right? Then did I fail in my goal? Right. Um, but instead, if we look at our values, if we use our values as more like a compass or a guide, I can take care of my own emotional, physical, spiritual, and mental health through other things right. and it doesn't yes. have to be going out of the house to attend a yoga class it could be maybe i find a yoga video on youtube and i do it it could mm-hmm. be calling a friend and talking about you know how not so happy i'm feeling because i'm home alone with all my kids it right. could be you know putting on a movie and snuggling with your with my kids or or pets, because mm-hmm. that's aligned with value too, right? So when right. you're living a value-driven life, the topography of the actions don't matter mm-hmm. as much 
it's really right. about like the function of the the actions you're taking, right? Yes. I'm sleeping in because this is me taking care of myself. I right. am putting on a movie and watching it with my kids and being present. That's taking care of my mental health too. They look like very mm -hmm. different behaviors, yeah, but they all serve the function of helping me live in a value-driven way. Yes. I love that you're bringing some behavior analytics speak in here. Topography yeah. <laughs> refers to the way a behavior looks. <laughs> I have to what sneak it, it in, like? but I don't know yes, about like, yes. the, the demographics <laughs> of your listeners. <laughs> I know. I, I, I definitely have some BCBAs, but probably just lots of moms, right? People who mm -hmm. are thinking, if I don't do this specific behavior, I'm not engaging in self-care. And I actually think that you have to have an ongoing you have to keep looking at it as a scientist, right? Because if I had a client who said, oh, well, I just, I wanted to sleep in every morning this week and not work out. And that was my definition of self-care. I'm like, okay, cool. Some weeks are like that. But if that becomes a pattern, it's like, okay, now we need to diversify again. Like we, I think if you ever get stuck in any one way of showing up for yourself, that's when there's danger because there, it just, it can't be that way. Because again, like you said, there are challenges that pop up and you need different things at different times. If you're doing a lot of emotional processing, some like trauma processing or something, you might have less bandwidth for strength training. However, right, that, and maybe laying on the couch and watching movies is kind of how I show up during that time in my life. But it's like, I can't stay there, right? I have mm -hmm. to, it's this just this ongoing dance that you're doing to really look at your behavior and say, okay, something actually self-care or is it becoming a pattern now that's no longer serving me and it's not self-care anymore? And I could say the same with strength training, right? Where I've gone so hard that I injure myself and I'm like, all right, well, Amber, that's not health either. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought it up about like healthcare, uh, not healthcare, self-care. I think mm -hmm. with moms, it's so easy for us to have um, like an inflexible view of what health uh, self-care looks like. It's, mm -hmm. you know, pouring myself a glass of wine at the end of the day and watch right. Netflix for several hours mm -hmm. while snacking on something, right? Because this right. is the only me time. And I was mm -hmm. stuck in that behavior pattern for many years. Mm -hmm. But it's if I zoom out and I look at what I was doing at that time, it was really not serving me. Like it felt good right. in a moment. Right. But probably doing some other things would have helped better in the long term so like yeah. building more um, ways to cope with stress and difficult emotions different yes. ways to to self-care so it could be just going for a walk or going to bed early yeah. um, meditate oh doing yoga um, yes. but night after night of binge watching netflix going to bed late and eating a bunch of mm. like snacks yeah was really not serving me Right. And right. I think at some point we really need to kind of zoom out and take a look at our lives and see what is helping us moving in the direction mm -hmm. that we want to go and mm -hmm. try to come up with alternative ways. Right. Like, is this values based living? Is this my is this me living into my value right now? And I think that the takeaway here is anytime you're doing something 100 percent of the time or you perceive you have to do it 100 percent of the time. Just if a little red flag can go off in everyone's head, like, okay, this has become a rule or this has become a little bit rigid and just try to keep a little flexibility there. Just try to keep it a little more flowy, right? Like, okay, let's, let's see if there are other ways I can pivot and make sure that that can still happen really nicely.
Yeah, like it's really not all or nothing. Like yes. if you can get you can get a whole workout in, but you can do two sets of your exercises, that's still great. Yeah. Your body doesn't yeah. know how much you're supposed to do. <laughs> your body just right. knows, hey, I moved and it felt great. Yes, yes, exactly. Right. So every time I have a BCBA on, I like to ask them what their favorite diffusion technique is. So kind of as we're wrapping up, do you want to share your favorite way of unhooking from your thoughts? I think in the beginning, a lot of mine is just saying it in a silly voice in my own head. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes I say it out loud. And when you mm-hmm. say it out loud, sometimes it's like, oh, that sounds so ridiculous. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, I've gotten much better with diffusion. So sometimes I can notice a thought and I will say, okay, thanks, Mike. Let's move on. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but it really depends on the context and depending on like the behaviors that we're talking about, like it was a lot harder for me to diffuse from difficult thoughts and emotions when like my husband left home for the first time to travel mm-hmm. in a very long mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, it comes with practice. Um, yeah. but yeah, my favorite is like the silly voice, like a Mickey Mouse yes. voice. <laughs> to say things or sing it loud singing out loud in something in like happy birthday song (laughs) right and this is the one I use with my kids too and they they love it they're like oh okay it's not so bad it's just you know a thought yeah it's just silly and cute it's just something that you know we all have thoughts pop up it's just one of those many weird thoughts that our brains have throughout the day Mm -hmm. I definitely like to go I go silly or I go singing and then the other thing I'm doing now is just acknowledging the part of me that believes that thought like okay there's a part of me that's feeling right so i just creating some separation there's a part of me that feels nervous hey part what do you need right now right Mm -hmm. let me let me care for you right now and spend a little bit of time with you you know so it's like i'm just noticing i'm feeling a little bit of a little vulnerability somewhere and caring for that right instead of like oh that's so stupid that i thought that or oh my gosh that's so true you're just like hey there's a little, there's a little, there's a little tenderness there. Yeah, I, I love that. Know. It's like a, like a flexible perspective taking, right? It's not yes. a, the whole me that's nervous. A part yes. of me is, is nervous to be on the podcast. Yes. But another part of me is really excited. Yeah. Right. And they're both here. Yes. We're doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> and we're doing it. <laughs> and we did it. Yeah. And it was a success. So can you, uh, Angela, share where people can find you and kind of just talk about your services a little bit while we, before we wrap up? Um, sure. So I am doing nutrition coaching, mainly one-to-one nutrition coaching. I'm actually partnered with a registered dietitian. Um, you can follow her on Instagram. Her handle is um, allyhenry.rd. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram as well. My handle is Angela.tam.bcba. And we mainly, well, I mean, nutrition coaching is all I do. Um, mm-hmm. And I really focus on helping my clients figure out a way of eating that is realistic and sustainable and enjoyable for them. So I really, really love food, and I don't think we should sacrifice that food experience um, regardless of our goals. And especially for, Mm -hmm. you know, average people, um, Mm -hmm. we really don't need to go for the extremes. And I want to help my clients to be able to eat 
food and enjoy a meal or go to a social event and be present, enjoy the food without feeling guilty or feeling shame. Right. Mm-hmm. And for them to figure out a way of eating that's not just enjoyable for them, but also make them feel the most healthy and balanced and bring mm-hmm. them more energy in their life. Yes. And I would argue that it's so meaningful to work with someone who not only understands nutrition, but is a behavior analyst. I mean, behavior analysts have a set of skills that no other professional, um, like no other profession has to the depth that we have it, right? And your understanding of acceptance and commitment therapy is really, really meaningful. So everybody, please go follow Angela. Her content is amazing. She has a really good message um, and it is evidence-based. So I can really stand behind that, creating, um, helping people find that middle path walk the middle messy way. Um, And it's just really a pleasure to have you on today, Angela. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing with us. Thank you so much for having me, Amber.